Hey everyone, it's Christian. You're listening to another episode of Better Product, the show where we celebrate great products and the people and processes that make them stronger. And listeners, today is the launch of a new Better Product series. Those of you who followed the show for a while know that we often cover categories or trends that are shaping the industry, and that's exactly what we're going to do here for the next few weeks. This latest journey is called Power to the People Ops. In recent years, Megan and I have seen digital products embrace the idea that there's power in workplaces investing in their people. Rather than just administering pay, benefits, and compliance, these products are helping companies create better cultures that keep employees at the center. And PeopleOps products are one way employers can ensure their teams are seen, heard, and respected. In doing this series, we wanted to understand why this shift from HR to people ops is occurring. We also want to see what else might be on the horizon as more products emerge to meet modern workplace challenges, from the great resignation we've all heard about to people's engagement and general happiness on the job. The show tackles some big questions, so today we'll set the stage with our own observations from personal experience and what we're seeing in product. Let's get into it. Well, good afternoon, everyone. How's it going? Who are you? I'm just kidding. Who am I? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Why don't you say who you are again anyway? Because you're brand new to the show kind I, of still. I am. I really am. So I'm Erica. Um, I'm our producer, now moderator on Better Products. So uh, and yeah, babysitter. And I think this is the middle of a hostile takeover by Erica to mm. replace me. Just throwing that out there. Yeah. So she starts cutting me from the episodes. Now you know why. I'm counting down the days. <laughs> <laughs> Kidding. Well, definitely not trying to cut anyone out. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, well, politics, cutthroatness aside, I'm super excited to be welcoming our listeners to a brand new series. Those of you who have followed the show for a while know we do series pretty frequently about specific kinds of products um, that we're admiring that are really important in the industry right now. And Megan, uh, you came to us, man, was it all, all the way back in the fall, I think? It started this a while, a while ago. That's short? Oh. <laughs> oh that's short? Yeah. It's no, possible. kidding. Kidding. Feels like a long time. But Megan, you came to us back in the fall with an idea to cover people operations products. We saw a rising wave of those products start to emerge after the pandemic. We even covered future of work um, in a separate series, and we'll get into how that differs in a little bit. But uh, Megan, I'd love to know what caught your eye in this area and what, what kind of got us started on this conversation. Yeah, well, I'll be honest. What really kicked it off for me. I didn't even know anything about people ops, but I caught up with a friend of mine from college who actually ended up being one of the people that we interviewed, um, John Wetzel of Gather. And he was telling me about it. Gather is really owning a lot of thought leadership in the people ops space. And I'd seen his posts on LinkedIn and I was like, okay, we should probably talk about this. We're the only two from this design program that ended up in you know the SaaS world. And so let's get together and chat. And I found it super interesting because it connected a lot of dots to some other conversations we've been having, especially around the future of work. And it almost seems like there is this uh, this major vibe shift. I'm going to use that phrase, Christian. I know you and I both just read that article. Um, yeah. a, a vibe shift towards a little bit more of a people-centric workplace. Can you so clarify what a vibe one. shift is? 
What is that? Citation, please. <laughs> so Christian and I just read this article from The Cut. It's by Allison Davis, and she quotes Sean Monahan talking about what a vibe shift is. And she says it's the catchy but sort of too cool term that Monahan uses for a relatively simple idea, which is in culture, some things sometimes things change, and a once dominant social wavelength starts to feel dated. So that's a pretty big idea, mm. but we've been seeing it a lot, I think, in the workplace. It started probably before COVID, but especially post-COVID and COVID having accelerated it, there is a shift that's been happening for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, I think the you, know, you said it was starting before. Even that article that in the cut was really talking about how it's unclear what this next vibe shift is because we've been on pause from new trends for two years. We've had all these like false starts and then Delta and Omicron. But it's interesting thinking about it with people ops too, because yeah, the trend was there. But for the way that I view what happened was once you took the office out of almost everybody's workplace, it left a big like hole for what it was like to manage people. And we all could mainly go back and work from the internet and Zoom and all that. But I think it created that hole that people ops filled, which was that it shifted from how do we figure out who we are remotely? And, oh, we don't even know how to figure that out. Enter people ops. Mm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And that's that's a theme, Christian. We heard, you know, in the interviews that listeners you'll hear in the coming weeks um, as we release those, like COVID definitely was a catalyst for this vibe shift, if you will, really taking over, becoming more clear. But this this shift to people ops, it really started a lot longer ago. And the I think core dynamic here that listeners will hear in the series is, you know, HR kind of is becoming not dated. I don't think that's fair because I think a lot of the interviewees you'll hear from, obviously, they see a place for HR. We need HR people for compliance and ensuring people get paid on time and the administration. Um but there's a new force around people operations and ensuring there's a great culture in your company. Megan, maybe we can talk together about what some of those finer differences are between people operations and HR as they keep evolving. I just want to interrupt and say that if you work with Megan, you realize why you need HR. Just <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. So anyway, um, I do think that like you touched on Erica, HR is in by no means becoming obsolete. It's just getting a little bit of a different and a little bit tighter of a definition. So John Wetzel did talk about this a little bit in his episode that you'll all get to hear. But now in today's world, HR is becoming focused on more of those administration tasks. So compliance, payroll, writing Christian up when he says things like that about me on the podcast, even benefits, um, all super important, all things that every employee needs. Uh, but people ops has started to shift away from more of that administration. People ops then is focused on culture, but I know that's a buzzword that we're like, oh, cringe company culture. Like, what does that mean? And it's not ping pong tables anymore, but even saying it's not ping pong tables anymore is a dated phrase. So where is people ops going? It's really becoming that more holistic experience for people and for teams and the company. So their focus is giving them a little bit more room for creativity in work experience. It's elevating how teams feel. And most importantly, it's increasing engagement. And it's also overlapping with HR a little bit in that people ops 
is more focused on, let's call it total compensation, potentially, where HR is focused on exactly how much you get paid when you get paid or, you know, which health insurance is cheapest. Yeah. And Megan, that's a really helpful distinction. And again, listeners, as you follow us along the series, you'll you'll really hear that come across in the interviews. I, I want to keep exploring some of these themes you called out, Megan. But before that, I think it's important maybe to give our listeners context on who we are and like where our opinions are coming from in this conversation. Me, since I'm a new voice to the podcast, uh, listeners might not know this. I'm not even a year into the workforce. I just graduated college in May of 2021. So very early, I don't want to say immature, but very early unrefined observations right now coming from me, Megan, Christian, very different for you. If you want to share that. Yeah. You're, you're a lot more mature than, than Megan and I, which is disappointing because Megan (laughs) and I have been here a lot longer. Yeah. I think, uh, so going to the other extreme, I'm, I've been, see, I graduated grad school in 07. So what are we 15 years out? So I'm about 15 years out. And when I started my career, it was in the Bay area. So it was always sort of like that, like cutting edge, the ping pong table sort of culture. I still remember like one of the things I loved about going to work at Autodesk was they had this like magazine article talking about you could bring your dog to work. And I had a German shepherd and I didn't know how I was going to deal with this at a job. And it was amazing. And there was all these people that brought dogs. And that's really not that rare anymore. But like back then, that was a huge thing. Um, And so we had like monthly like beer bus and pizza and stuff like that. So all these like quintessential things. Um, but I think it was also more old school with what you, you both were just talking about. And I know this, this series gets away from, which is HR mm-hmm. you know, thinking about employees as like a cost center. And then just like figuring out how to keep people engaged and all that. It was very different lens on employee relationship with the business than it is today. Mm-hmm. So I've gotten to see it from that beginning to now where we sit today. Important question. Yeah, what and- was your dog's name? My dog's name was Ada. Ada. Yeah. You always ask that question. Oh, pet. do you? You have. Pet- See, this is why you're on the show. If the pet's mentioned, you have to ask their name. Oh, dang. So. I didn't even oh, know really? that rule. See, Megan, yeah. we have a lot to learn. Yeah, so <laughs> my, my dog, Ada, I got her in, in grad school. She followed us there and went to work every single day with me. It was pretty fun. A lot of hair, though. Just, all yeah. right, and I'll stop. We had our own offices. So, like, you could close a door to them. And, like, all of us people with dogs had, like, child gates. So that you can leave your door open when you went to meetings and your dog would stay in there. But let me tell you, it's like half the size of a dorm room, you know, and you've got your 60 pound dog and it's not, not great. Not great. Not so, great for allergies. No. Yeah. Megan. So Megan, your, your, your experience. <laughs> yeah. I don't have much to contribute to this dog conversation. Um, My experience, I guess I will coin the term Goldilocks millennial. I'm right pretty much in the middle of you two. I've, I started my design career in 2015, and I've been at Innovate Map for the last almost six years. So I've, I think, maybe started at the cusp of when ping pong started to go out of style. I think I remember actually, Christian, you saying something about that when I first started at Innovate Map. You're like, you know what? We're not going to have ping pong tables. Those are lame. Those are gone. And they're and, loud. Um, I think it's probably yeah. also so loud and annoying. Nobody plays that. it. Yeah, but I've definitely seen like the beginning of people ops for sure and the beginning of this future of work as I've been in the workplace. I would say too, Megan, you've been there like as we were sort of growing up as a company between just like a few people 
now we have 30 plus and more than one location. So you've actually sort of seen us have to shift the way we we talk about it too. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate you too. I mean, sharing just, just truly how long of a journey this has been, how like this, I, this evolution hasn't been isolated to pre-2020 life by any means. And that really comes across in the interviews. I, I know Tim Prome of Kelly, um, the international talent services firm, and Julie Janot of Office Vibe. You know, they both referenced this book by Laszlo Bach. He was senior vice president um, of people operations at Google starting 2006 to 2016. And they really credited him, you know, with with coining this term. So it's, it really isn't brand new, but I think the way in which we are approaching it and building products around it and getting beyond ping pong tables and free LaCroix um, and more into these deeper philosophical questions. That's really the new understanding that I think we're trying to get across here. Yeah. And I think one thing that Julie said that I really loved was that people ops is about getting closer to your people and the reality of the way that they work. The shift that we've made is a lot less how do we make people fit their lives into the way that our company operates and more how do we fit the way that we operate into people's lives and actually not just fit them, but make them coexist a little bit more seamlessly yeah. with still separation of work and home, obviously. So true. Well, and I think also something really important Julie said along those lines you know, she had mentioned, and her, and I should add, her product is all about measuring employee engagement um, on several metrics, which she gets into in that episode. But you know, the number one metric that often gets left aside, and that People Ops is really trying to focus on now, is employee engagement through sense of meaning, belonging, finding a higher purpose in your work. So you're not just here to, you know, finish a task or be a taskmaster. You have to understand, you know, the collective goal everyone everyone is working towards at your company and that's that's what people operations is trying to put a spotlight on and show how you as the employee fit into that so i think the there's a huge parallel when i hear you all talk about people ops that i saw in a lot of the other tech areas so the first one i remember hearing about was from 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 development to devops um there's security security ops there's then there was design that beget design ops and there's cloud ops. There's all these ops is like in, in, yeah, you could say, Oh, it's just trendy to do that. But um, really what the thing that's relevant in all those cases is that the crux of all those development design what you know, now people is it, it, it emphasized how important that was. So for design, the reason why design added design ops is because design got so big inside of organizations and so important. And, it needed operations to manage all of the design activities, all of the designers that were that were interacting. When I think about why it is people ops exist, it's actually hidden in the word, which or in the phrase, which is people. Mm. It's actually marking a shift in thinking about it in people. And if you want to get real deep with it, people is a more uh, friendlier, you know, I, I don't know how to best to say it, but it's a more real term than human human resources sounds so generic, right? And then people, we are people. It's totally different. Your persona. Yeah. And then yeah. human ops sounds like something Mark Zuckerberg would say before <laughs> right. he put his skin suit on. And <laughs> Right. Yeah. No, that's totally, that's totally accurate. Oh. So I think like even just calling it people ops is a sign that that matters mm -hmm. um, a lot. And so I think 
thinking back to seeing as my career has has shifted and watching and observing from afar, like what's going on with this trend, when you took away the office, I think it left a lot of companies understanding, like, what did they have to offer if they are a product? Um, I might even counter, Megan, what you're saying about separating your home and personal self. One of the things that I think is that it's actually blurring the lines, because if you look at like old school like if you watch like Mad Men or something like that, like that whole thing is about these like different identities and alcoholic identities wearing at home versus at work. And I I kind of hoped in this new world with people ops, I'm hoping it actually lets us take you in to the business as yourself. Yes, you can still have your private life, but like mm. some, I think almost like counterintuitively people ops should be about the people and bringing who they are to work. And then I think, Erica, you said it really well. I thought about a really good city isn't a city that necessarily dictates what the culture is going to be, but like creates the canvas for culture to emerge, which is what New York has always just been brilliant, world class at from the beginning of like, well, the beginning of it being settled. It's always people can say like distinctly New York, but the truth is New York has thousands of different subcultures inside of it. What they've done well is really supported that. So I think, again, I think about people ops is all about inverting that focus from like what people have to do to change themselves to adopt to the company. And yeah, yeah. I like the way I like that distinction that you made Christian, that it's not forcing people to be thinking about work until midnight. You know, it's not yeah. like I am bringing work home with me or I can't find like the time and the space to separate when I'm spending time with my family versus when I'm spending time working on this project. Yeah. It's the inverse of that, which is, People should be able to come to work, whether that's physically or mentally, and be a little bit more of themselves than they've typically been allowed to be. Yeah. And the communication component is so important there. I mean, that's, Megan, that's something I noticed that's really integral to all of these products is ensuring there's both the opportunity, but also, I guess, I don't know if protection's the right word, but I guess a shared expectation that we need to be having these conversations very candidly as we're living through pandemics, as people might not be in the office every day, so they can share what's actually happening in their lives and not fear repercussions or fear um, anything negative from that. In fact, it should be the opposite. We are creating spaces for people to have more substantive one-on-ones with managers. We're creating spaces for people to submit these realities and surveys, and all of that's super important to again, building that collective culture. And and some of that was already starting to, this is something Julie touched on, Office 5 existed before COVID. Some of that was happening for before this resurgence of remote work. Uh, but what has made it essential in today's world is that we're losing a lot of that human interaction that makes having those conversations feel more normal. Mm-hmm. Like if you're off Zoom, we're losing facial expressions. You know, we're, it's harder, it's so much harder to communicate that clearly with somebody when you lose basically half of that social interaction. And so we've had to, products have had to be a lot more intentional about creating the types of interactions that would have happened naturally before. Megan, before we end the episode, I'd love to know maybe what surprised you through these interviews. You know, we talked to a range of startups, mid-sized companies, an international company at that so of all those insights, what, what surprised you the most about the direction people ops is heading right now? Yeah, I've been thinking a lot about this, Erica, and I'm going to try to explain 
this realization that I've had without sounding at best cynical, at worst sociopathic. So uh, the more that I learned from all of these people and products, the more I started to think like people ops sounds like a big touchy feely cultural shift. You know, it sounds like so great and everyone's going to be happy. There's chief happiness officer making sure that's true, but it's not like that when you're thinking about how to build products. Like what we're doing is actually make the attention to people and to experience more systemic. So there are mechanisms that these products and companies are putting in place that are then creating this cultural and emotional shift. Mm. It's very technical almost, and it's mm. but it's producing this more cultural and emotional change. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, it's. I think Julie said something about we're trying to measure really human tendencies, really messy human issues and quantify it better with science and with product. And yeah, it will be interesting, Megan, to see, you know, as this evolves, just how much that pans out or doesn't. So, yeah. Yeah. It's like the good side of AI, you know, they're measuring, they're taking quantitative and turning it into qualitative. Sure. Yeah. Well, thank you. This has been a great conversation. I've Super appreciated everyone's time, insights here. Our first episode releases next week um, featuring John Wetzel of Gather. We're really excited. He's a great guy. Yeah, he's has some great insights. He believes the future is people operations, and he'll explain why that is in the episode. So stay tuned for that. And as always, if you have questions, want to react to anything we said today, um, join the Better Product community. You can now access us on our Slack platform available at betterproduct.community. Always looking for DMs and your comments. So can't wait to hear what you have to say. And this has been another episode of Better Product. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. And if you haven't yet, be sure to join the Better Product community. We've got all sorts of content and resources for you. And if you want more audio, don't forget... The Business of Product is our latest show to join the Better Product Network, and you can find that and more at betterproduct.community.